Hi, I'm Scott Hamilton, Rockfile, back with another podcast review for your ears, revisiting a movie I haven't seen in probably 20 years, 1999's End of Days. This came out the same year that The Matrix came out. This came out the same year that everybody was talking about Y2K. If you were young back then and don't remember, there was a lot of people believing that computers would all stop uh, because older computers were not prepared to read beyond zero zero. <laughs> Everything was going to reset. Even I worked for a giant radio company at the time, and they made all of us program directors go to the radio stations, be there at midnight on New Year's Eve to make sure that nothing went off the air. It was a crazy time. It really, I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of wild, you know, that, and honestly, if you did have older computers, a lot of companies had already figured this out a couple years before and started, you know, updating their software, updating their hardware, their BIOS, things like that. Um, So it really, Y2K was never a major problem for anybody in the world, really, except people who wouldn't upgrade their computers when they knew this was coming. Anyway, this was a Schwarzenegger movie I used to make a lot of apologies for. It was a, it was a big box office success and everything, but I liked it because it was R-rated. It had gore. It had nudity. It dealt with uh, the devil, basically, um, and the end of times. And Peter Himes directed it, who I was a fan of for uh, quite some time. Uh, he's become a, a solid director cinematographer, but his last few movies didn't do so well. And the last couple things he did was producing, writing, and helping his son with cinematography on uh, some sci-fi action movies and things like that. Um, short version of it holds up pretty well. It's pretty long. It's a couple minutes over two hours. It's a little bit of a mess in the middle. Um, But overall, it's a satisfying mixture of an Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie with some supernatural end-of-times kind of stuff. Biggest complaint about the movie? Gabriel Byrne should have been given more to do. I mean, Gabriel Byrne playing Satan is, is a match made in heaven, and he does a really great job, but he really only has a few scenes to shine. It's a lot of glares and looks, which he's good at, but... He's got like one really long scene with Arnold. It would have been nice to have a few of those because it, w- it was arguably part of the best part of the film. So short version of it. If you've never seen it, check it out. It's a weird one in Arnold's uh, cinematography career or cinema, <laughs> cinema career. He had some R-rated movies, but they were always light in the at least nudity sexual part. Um, and there's some pretty wicked stuff that goes on in this movie. And he really stayed away from seriously dark themes and things, and especially with the way things end. I will be getting into spoilers by the end of the review, so if you're one of the few people that have never seen this movie, um, I will be talking about spoilers. So check out now, go watch it, and come back. So the story of End of Days is uh, in 1979, a child was born that the prophecy said would be... um, the vessel for the devil to sleep with and produce an antichrist into the world and signal the end of days. And we find this out through a flashback of the church wanting to scour the earth and find this per- this woman before she's born. Um, and then the actual birth and what happens to the baby right after kind of a Rosemary's baby kind of vibe goes on there. And then we meet Jericho. Well, then we, then we cut to 20 years later and we see 
again, we're going to get into some spoilers here, but things start blowing up a few days before the end of the year in New York, and this invisible creature comes out of the ground, out of the subway, out of the fire, and we're assuming that it's Satan, but honestly, the special effects they are oh, are arguably very good. It's like a creature made of glass walking down the street. Only when certain light hits it can you even make out that it's got tentacles or wings or whatever, and I thought that was great, and it kind of flies around the city looking for... there. It turns out, you don't find out... It would have been better had we found out earlier, but you find out later in the movie there was also a planned vessel for him himself. And, you know, one of the things I really like about the movie is in the beginning, a lot of the imagery during the credit sequence is actual satanic stuff. It's not like, oh, some gobbledygook we found from other movies or some generic pentagrams or stuff. There's some actual Latin, there's some actual Aramaic, there's some actual... Um, other languages, some real pentangles and pentagrams. It's just some interesting imagery to launch you into the movie. And I've enjoyed Peter Heim's movies, especially the first part of his career. Um, I was a young moviegoer, really into science fiction when Capricorn 1 came out, which he wrote and directed. It was kind of his debut. He was also the cinematographer on it. Um, and that was a pretty exciting flick at the time. There was word several years ago he was going to remake it himself, and he never did, but that would be interesting to do a modern version of Capricorn 1. He followed that up with Outland, which he worked with the people that worked on Alien, which had just come out. Outland still is a great science fiction movie. It's a it's like High Noon in Space with Sean Connery. If you haven't seen it, I've pulled it out recently. I'm going to rewatch it because I, I do really like that movie. He did 2010, The Year We Make Contact, which is the sequel to 2001 A Space Odyssey. He worked with Arthur C. Clarke quite closely. As book adaptations go, it's pretty spot on for the original book. Some of the themes and stuff don't hold up because it was a lot about the Cold War with us and Russia at the time when the book was written, and that you know that Cold War has ended and not aged so well. But it's still a solid flick that really wasn't trying to be 2001, but carve its own kind of sequel path. I watch it today and go, you know, it's not bad. Obviously, it's not 2001 A Space Odyssey, but... As a sequel goes, it's not a bad sequel. He made the 1986 action comedy Running Scared, which is one of my favorites of all time. The pairing of those two guys, um, Billy Crystal and, oh, why does his name always escape me? The dancer, Gregory Hines, who was also in White Knights about that time. Um, Running Scared is just a really funny movie that holds up. you got a young Jimmy Smits in it and things like that. He went on to do Time Cop, which is a fun science fiction movie, and then Sudden Death, both with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Sudden Death didn't do quite as well. They were, I, I honestly feel about that movie that the movie studio was cutting down on fight scenes a little bit to go more mainstream. And as we've learned with John Wick and Deadpool and other movies now, they should have been doubling down on fight scenes back then. He made a couple of horror movies, The Relic and End of Days. And End of Days turns out to be his biggest box office success. It had a $100 million budget, but it went on to make over $212 million around the world. So quite, you know, huge. There's a lot of big stars in this movie. Uh, Udo Kier is in it. Um, Rod Steiger, Kevin Pollack, um, Robin Tunney. This was an early role for her. CCH Pounder, who's been a detective on more TV series than I can count. She's in this movie. And overall, it's well done. I remember at the time going, well, it doesn't go far enough with the, the horror stuff or it doesn't go far enough with the Arnold stuff. It kind of s- skirts that line and it really does. When we first meet Arnold's character, Jericho, he he 
He makes a concoction in the blender that would make most people sick, and he drinks it and offers it to his partner, Kevin Pollack, and all that. And it just kind of establishes the character of, man, he's a giant muscle-bound dude who eats crap. And and then you find out his wife and daughter died, and, and they set up this character to have all this, this inner uh, turmoil, anger, all that kind of stuff at the world. Obviously, this was somebody that would want to be tapped by a... Uh, a prophecy as the possible savior of the human race, I guess, because <laughs> he gets redemption and then maybe they save everybody. I don't know. Um, the thought that the, they don't go into as much of the prophecy. There's that one scene with the, the cardinals and the and the pope and, and a corrupt cardinal who pops up later. And, and I don't know. That could have just been handled better. But, you know, again, they were trying to do something new. And this hadn't been done a whole lot back then. And for Arnold to kind of be in some of the scenes. I mean, there's a scene where Arnold literally gets crucified and hung up on, on the side of a building. I mean, these are pretty dark images for his career. I mean, sure, he played the Terminator and some other dark characters, but um, some pretty bad things happen in this movie. Like the sex scene, the devil, when he first appears, does things that, you know, I was watching it this time going, you know, if it's the devil and he's just popped out of hell for the first time in a thousand years, he probably would walk up to the woman and grab her boob and kiss her and, and just make her lust for him right there and then walk out of the place and the place explodes, which is what happens when Satan first appears. Um, there's a sex scene later with one of his his, his biggest followers, uh, basically the dark priest who's kind of enabled all this stuff. Um, Satan wants to have sex with the wife and the daughter and does so. And it's not incredibly graphic, but it is kind of weird and surreal, almost like um, the Keanu Reeves movie Devil's Advocate was in places. It's interesting that a major studio, Universal Pictures and Buena Vista International, got behind this, put $100 million on it. But, you know, it capitalized on the timeliness of Y2K, the possibility of, of end of times and all that kind of stuff. You've got Arnold Schwarzenegger, at the time, most people were thinking, okay, he's probably run his course. He's still acting today. Um, but, you know, this was kind of him reinventing himself, doing some other things, stretching a bit because he had done comedy for a while. And now he was getting into more, this is a very more adult-themed movie than some of his earlier movies. So the it got mostly bad reviews, but it made a lot of money. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger made $25 million for starring in the movie. It went on to gross 212 Good investment there. It was profitable. But reviews to this day are pretty terrible. Um, Schwarzenegger's come out later and said he was the wrong director to do it. Um, James Cameron <laughs> recommended him, so he took that. And I don't know that Peter Himes was the wrong guy to do it. I just think it could have been done a little better merging the two styles. Let's go a little further with the whole uh, supernatural end of things. The movie was nominated for three Razzie Awards. Worst Actor, Arnold. Worst Supporting Actor, Gabriel Byrne. Worst Director, Peter Himes. Um, it's not that bad. These days, on like Rotten Tomatoes, it's, it's pretty low, um, 11%, yet 88% of people on Google like it. It's not enough of a Satan-type omen movie to really do itself justice, <clears throat> but on the flip side, it's not enough Arnold movie to overlook that part of it either. It's an okay flick, and it's well-made. And the cinematography, watching it now on Blu-ray... Oh, a little backstory. I bought this movie years ago. This was one of the early Blu-rays that Universal put out in, like, 2008. It still had the plastic on it. I saw this movie enough in the theater and on DVD that... 
I just never ran around to the time to, you know, to revisit the movie. So I've had it for uh, 12, 13 years and not cracked the plastic on it. So watching it on Blu-ray for the first time, it's got some grain, but it looks good. I mean, for a, a movie that's over 20 years old, it's definitely not 4K crispy or HDR colors. But because the director of the movie, Peter Himes, is also the cinematographer, there is some... If you know anything about movies, there's some really, really hard scenes to capture. There's some underground, low-lit scenes. There's a lot of candlelight and flames. Um, the the last scenes in general uh, in the big church with the Satanism stuff going on, a lot of candlelight. I mean, it's pretty much lit by nothing but warm candlelight, and it, it looks absolutely gorgeous. I... Watching the movie, I'm like, well, for the movie, I don't really need a 4K copy of it. But it would be interesting to see if they went back to the original camera negative and gave this a nice 4K scan with an HDR pass. I think it would look spectacular, especially the stuff at the end. So now we're going to get into the major spoilers, if I haven't spoiled enough of the movie for you. Um, I think coming several months after The Matrix came out is another reason why people went to see this and went, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because after The Matrix, we started getting action movies that elevated action. And this was made before The Matrix came out and came out after. <clears throat> we expected a little bit more from the fight scenes, which are gritty, down-to-earth, and, and look real. There's a scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger's in an alley, and he's, he's being attacked by these followers of, of the evil one. And it's dark. And you can't really see everything that's going on, but the way it's lit and everything, you can see enough. And it's a pretty brutal fight scene where he eventually, they get the best of him and crucify him and hang him up on the side of a building. But what makes this movie fairly unique in the Arnold Schwarzenegger canon is that he dies at the end. (laughs) And that doesn't happen hardly in any of the other Arnold movies. He has to sacrifice himself to save the world, and he does. And he gets to see his wife and kid at the beginning. And, you know, it's a very nice, heartfelt ending. Things kind of go on. There's a, you know, kind of a hard twist to everything at the end. But all in all, not a bad flick with some very unique qualities in the Arnold Schwarzenegger canon. Watching it now, I'd give it about three out of five. Um, Make it a little shorter and a little bit more action. I would have been all in. Go a little deeper into the the, the dark stuff and the horror. I would have been all in. It just kind of rides that line and it just comes out as okay. Not bad. It's definitely not a bad movie and didn't reserve, deserve the raspberries. But on the flip side, I could see someone's point of view that, well, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger acting in this kind of movie and they could have probably picked someone else. He, he isn't the superhero he is in most movies, so... They literally could got somebody smaller or, or not as, you know. But again, he was involved in the making of this movie and, and, and very much in his career. It was an interesting career choice, and it stands apart from a lot of his films. End of days. Watch it when it's streaming. I don't think you need to own a copy, but if you like that kind of horror slant on an Arnold movie, then maybe you should own it. it it's one of my old favorites that... Holds up just okay these days. I think there's been better attempts to merge action and horror um, in the last 23 years since this came out, 22 years. But not bad. And in, as far as an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie goes, it's really not bad. So there's my review of End of Days, revisiting this horror action film from 1999. I'm Scott Hamilton. My website is therockfile.com. Check it for links. Please like, share, subscribe, all my goodies. Thank you very much for listening. Have a spectacular weekend.